morning, afternoon, and evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Zachary Nolan. I am joined by my friends Jake from Peg City Hockey and Coach Ryan from Hot Garbage Sports. So, well, what, what else is there to say? We won game one. It was oh, exactly. Great. Woo! <laughs> uh, yeah, we all have done videos on it. Check them out. But also, game two now. We, we've won one. We're a quarter of the way to being a quarter of the way there. And what are we going to look forward to for game two? What What is there to say? Because game one wasn't perfect. We've said that before. We've said that a lot. And we probably will never have a perfect game. We can get very close, though. So what do you guys think are some of the things we need to adjust in game two? We'll start with you, Coach. Yeah. Take it away, Coach. Okay, boys. I'm going to say right now, there is no such thing as a perfect hockey game, but that was perfect. Sorry. Ah, you guys can be feeling. the voice of other stuff, but that was perfect. And the reason it was perfect, step one, how the heck do the Jets just switch a light switch and learn how to play hockey? And what I mean by learning how to play hockey, how do they understand how to contain themselves, hit at the right time, and not overplay the puck? The Jets' problem against the Oilers has always been overpressure, overhitting, causing turnovers in the D zone leading to transition scoring and rushes. But the Jets, as I said on my channel, they were perfectly timed in their one, two, two, four checks or their two, three, four checks. That's just how many people you're sending in down deep. And they always made sure to either outnumber the Oilers or equal the Oilers. So it was always a one versus one, a two versus two, or the Jets outnumbered them. And the key to hockey is creating small little two-on-ones, whether you're on defense or offense to win. They did it like... All game. And that is why Connor McDavid ends up being shut down. Connor Hellebuck plays a perfect game. You can't ask for better from him. That game could have been lost if it wasn't for two big saves. It's really hard to score if you're the Oilers and this guy isn't giving out rebounds and he isn't. And then you end up just looking at the depth down the lineup and what drives, I mean, it's going to drive us all nuts, but Paul Maurice was right, boys. He was right. He said, playoff hockey is different. He was correct. He said, these are the lines that should work. I guess he was right. Pionk, Morrissey together. Ah, screw that. He'll show us. <laughs> he did. So Paul Maurice wins the day. All right. Jake? Well, <laughs> boy, do I got a rebuttal for you, coach. Because although the Winnipeg Jets come out, it shocked me. Because I'm not going to lie. If you've watched my videos leading up to the series, every video I've done, except the one I said how we could win. And ironically, what I said how they could win, that's how we won. Point being, I didn't think that this game was perfect. There was a lot, a lot, like beyond a lot of good things that this did and improved play, like you said. One thing I liked, even though for some reason on those prime highlight reel two-on-ones and three-on-ones or whatever it is, the Winnipeg Jets will never score because they've forever cursed me and my heart and the pain that it brings me for having to watch that. But I do agree with you there. They're creating those off those little brushes like that where you have the guy coming in who's open. That's, that's very important in hockey. You're right. That's key. That's how you score. That's how you win games. Every team has won. That's how you win. That's how you have a dynamic offense by creating space. Just like in basketball, just like in any sport that demands you to be creative to score. You need to be able to create space. They did that. But there were still times and still things that I saw throughout this game that can very, very wor were worrisome for me because the complaints I had with this team going throughout the entire regular season. And I don't expect this team to change. 
No one can, right? Like, we all know what this team's identity is going into the playoffs. We're fans. We've watched every game. Zach, you've covered every game. You know exactly what this team is going to the playoffs. That's why we were also skeptical. But just because there was improved play in some areas, because we have that experience in the playoffs, and I like to say it this way because, um, like, it's kind of true. We're not a, we're not a rookie team anymore. We're, like, Connor Hellebuck just had his, what, 28th birthday? Like, we're not young guys anymore. We've made it to the Western Conference Final. We've been to the playoffs for four years in a row now, I think, if I'm not mistaken, if you count the uh, bu bubble thing yes, from last year, because it's been three years of first-round exits, so going back then, right? That's good. This team knows how to make the playoffs, and they have had success, but for this team to be successful, they need to learn how to change the little problems in their game that they have throughout it. The top line not playing defense, the top six kind of at times being inconsistent, and relying on guys to score when you can't get any offense is important. But you can't rely on that to win you a series. Those guys are come up, get you clutch games and steal you games, but they're not what you rely on for a whole series or a playoff run. I didn't see enough from that top line, in my opinion, to warrant any praise, in my personal opinion. I didn't like them at all defensively, as usual, and I thought that they were very lazy in the offensive zone at times and in their own zone. But I think there's a lot of positives to focus on, so I'm not going to heart gripe on all the negatives, but this team needs to improve on the little things and have improved play from certain individuals to be a complete contender and win potentially this series in my opinion yeah yeah honestly it, it's it's funny um i would say that i was like i was obviously very excited that's that's the understatement of the video but um it's interesting because with that win we now have to keep it going and we've built up quite a bit of hype now after this game and for yeah, example the jets social media they posted a photo rent-free with McDavid in it. Oh, Why? God. I didn't see Why? that. They posted it. Yeah. Have you seen it, Coach? It's... I, I have seen it. I think it was the Why? right post. No, nope, Love it. Love no. it. You're, you must you... not be such a uh, skeptical person like when it comes to me and Zach about but these things in sports, man. Because... now, they'll never let you forget. Okay, boys, sports isn't nice. It isn't fun. I'm not here to shake hands, kiss babies, and give participation oh, trophies. On. We're not Screw saying that them. either. Screw them. Troll them. Throw it out. It ain't about Rent that, free. though. Rent I free, wait, McDavid. Rent free. Peonk all day. beat him. Yeah, but you no. know what? three more wins you need. Okay, that's... So, Coach, I want so to talk on that real quick because I think this is something that we should talk about because in our very first episode, I alluded and Zach did as well, and you too, we all talked about how Pionk at the start of the season was the McDavid stopper, especially in those first couple games. He was amazing against him. So hopefully that's something we can see because that he was great last night against him. But I just want to point out, he was only good in those matchups for a couple of games. After that, where did Pionk go for the rest of the season? So that's why I still have my dis you know disbelief in this team because I, I don't think that they're going to be successful in the long run unless they can fix up these problems. So game one, great, but Pionk's got to be okay. like that through the rest of the season and the rest of the series. So here's my preview for game two. The Oilers, we all agree, are not a deep team. That's correct. Nope. We agree it's four players, right? Most likely two players. You could even argue one player. Sorry, dry saddle fans. All right, so we agree <laughs> with that. If the Jets are going to play this system, a few things are going to happen. One, Connor McDavid hasn't had a ton of time in the playoffs. He's not like Sidney Crosby. He's not well-seasoned. It took Crosby three or four goes before he finally figured his life out in here because he was getting beat up and kicked. This is the first time McDavid has entered physical playoff hockey. The Jets are built for the Central. They beat them up. Pionk was all over him. He beat them up. Is McDavid going to respond? Likely. But can McDavid and this top four respond if they're getting shut down this way? Probably not. 
because I know you have concerns over the fact that the first line didn't score. I don't because if our first line can cancel their first line, but our they didn't line two, three, and line. But our line two, three, and four, our depth can score. Their That's depth true. cannot score. They and do I, not I, have scoring I one hundred percent give you that argument there. There's, I don't even think Oilers fans will really, t- you know, argue that point either. Because yep. when you look at depth, there's no argument there that if you're the Oilers fan, you'd rather have the Jets' depth over your depth. There's no question there. We have one of the best yep. third line centers in the hockey in, in the NHL, in my opinion, in Adam Lowry and yep. how he plays his job. So I agree there totally. But kind of leads me to what I said about the first line is that do not think for this team to be successful in the long run. The first line would need to be better because just maybe this is just me and watching them and being such a heavy criticizer of that 55 line with uh, Wheeler and Connor on there on that top line. I'm not a big fan of it. I've been very well documented saying that. But at times, I saw way too many opportunities for the Oilers to come in and steal the puck because of slow movements just in the body and with the puck, not being able to skate fast enough, being almost like very sluggish, gliding. Just these problems that the Jets have had throughout this entire season and the fact that McDavid usually has picked that apart. That top line, especially when they played that way in the regular season. And there were times last night where he did pick them apart. But the only difference was we had Connor Hellebuck in net and they had Mike Smith. And the real Mike you Smith. Don't, <laughs> you, don't have, you don't have to worry about that, though, because when we talk about pick them apart, there's ways to score goals in hockey. But the way the Oilers score against the Jets is on the rush and in the transition. They didn't pick them apart in the transition. The Oilers, in my opinion, cannot beat the Jets. We saw it. How, how long of a sustained pressure did they have in our offensive zone? Did nothing At times with a it, lot. Especially, especially against Hellebuck. They need to score on the rush and get Hellebuck moving left and right. They're not going to be able to do that there. So you shut down the rush, you shut down the Oilers if you're the Jets. That's my opinion. I, I agree with your opinion there. I think that's exactly what the team needs to do as well. But I just don't have enough. I, I, one a performance for me isn't enough because I've seen them play like that before. And not to mention the fact... I, I, there was a weird game defensively. Like I think we can all acknowledge that the fact that yeah. our best defenders were Logan Stanley and Tucker Pullman, like like that is shocking. Let's be real. Like we no one expected that. Coach, for the last last show, me and you were arguing just how bad Tucker Pullman actually is. One of the worst <laughs> defenders we've had ever on the ice for the Jets going back when there's some of their worst ones in the pylons they've iced. So yeah, Zach, th- like. Coach, continue. Zach, please. you're you're gonna you're gonna have to talk to us about Tucker Pullman. I acknowledge it on my channel. He had the game of the century. So uh, yeah, tell me about it. Pylon, Dude, but he played Tucker, great. So that Zach, first, in the tell first. Tell me about it because oh. I can't do it. That's Tucker that toe drag in the first. My, Tucker Pullman made my top three, and I think this is the first time Tucker Pullman's ever made my top three. And the season is 56 games long, and that guy never sniffed the top three. He was just doing a bunch of simple plays. He made a dangle in the first period. That was beautiful was too. Like, that toe drag was perfect. <laughs> I first like it was so fast that I didn't even give him the recognition. I'm just like, oh, nice move by Dylan DeMello. And then it just the play move kept going on. And then someone's like, man, did you see that play that Pullman made? I'm like, no, it wasn't Pullman. That couldn't have been Pullman. Nah, nah well, exactly. Nah. It was Pullman. Like Neil Pionku, looks... move over offensive yeah. defenseman <laughs> yeah. Tucker Pullman. He looks comfortable. And which, he looks like... A, which was like shocking. He, he jumped in the rush and in a way that didn't hinder it. Because, and it's kind of a brilliant way that he jumped in the rush because he didn't jump in the rush in the way that we screw up rushes by creating a passing option. He just said, no, screw it. I'm just going to go to the net. Because if you don't what shoot What have all of us been Mike saying Smith, all season long? If you don't shoot glove hand on Mike Smith, his rebound control is not where it needs to be. He, he took it right off the chest and he went to swipe the puck away and it was one second too late. Like, being able to cover the puck quickly is this, is something that Mike Smith does not always have. He relies totally a agree. lot on his glove hand to catch it, 
And if he's not catching it cleanly, he's trying to swipe it away quickly with his stick because he has that confidence in his ability to move pucks. Yep, totally agree. Can That's I can it. I talk about can I talk yeah. about that rush for a second though? Absolutely. We can we're gonna get onto Mike Smith, but a lot of people don't realize on that rush. Logan Stanley almost cost us the game on that. When he picked up the puck going back in this, we're talking about the Tucker Pullman goal yeah. just before Logan Stanley had the puck in our defensive zone and he threw it oh, up the middle. Right. The Jets players have been I remember throwing that. pucks up yep. the middle as defense yeah. and it's junk. That scared and me. What Gave made me a heart the attack. Jets so special? And Paul Maurice is right again. His fourth line is out there, his responsible fourth line, back checking like crazy ends up picking up the stick lift because that should have been an oiler uh, an oiler should have come in and got a shot on that easily makes the stick lift moves the puck over to an activating tucker pullman who then carries the puck with a beautiful mid lane drive meaning he's driving the two defensemen back drop pass to wheeler gets a goal but stanley almost blew that and the right play in hockey there wouldn't have generated a goal stanley should have carried the puck around the back of the net mm -hmm. that should have been it yeah. Or fired it around the back of the net to Tucker Pullman. This is a really simple play, but he continues to put it up the middle because he's young and inexperienced. Thank goodness for the fourth line and Thompson because he saves the game. And that gives Pullman the ability to score. So, Man, I, I can't. It's just so huge. ironic that what we, as fans, yeah, we just completely bashed. Well, not bashed at you, times, I would no, say, no, no. but like. No, 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 no. You. 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 Not, not, okay. Hey, boys, Pullman? what are you talking Wait, about? Pullman? Hey, no, go no, no, on. No, Let's no, just no, all no, get no, along no, here, no, right? No, 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 no. I'm a very no, no, no. non biased, angry, no, calm no, no, fan. No, no, no. I don't talk trash. Jake, Jake, I'll meet you halfway on Pullman. But Nate Thompson, though, you. You, you immediately questioned the first game he was in. Then he got a point. You're like, I guess I'm gonna have to deal with him for the rest of the season now. And I was right. Yes, you do. Okay, you know what? I, I actually this is kind of leading me into what I want to talk about going into this uh, next game because we're, the Jets are in a very, very interesting spot right now. Not only because mm -hmm. they kind of upset Game One, where no one really expected them to win it. Let's be real, they with weren't in roster, anything. Guys. Yeah. And the big thing that I want to talk about is. You have a great game from this roster. If you're mm -hmm. coach, you know, coach, you love everything about this game. So you must love the roster, if I, or at least like it from the stance that they played well, correct? So I went into the game just like everybody else. Me too. Exactly. I posted on my TikTok that this roster was junk. I saw that. I had viewers. Of I had viewers. Junk. Viewers of mine were sending that junk. to me on Twitter and on Instagram. Done. I was like, this is <laughs> a junk lineup. Instagram. What are you doing? But here's the thing. I, I've admitted it. Maurice proved us wrong. Everything that he said about that game came true. The, the thing is, can Maurice do it four more times? He rolled his lines with equal ice. He broke up Morrissey and Pionk, which I still think was wrong, but he did it, and he got a W. He ended up relying on the fourth line more than he thought. He said there was going to be hits, though. it's going to be violent, and we're going to score junk goals, and that's the playoffs. It's like he's a fortune teller. It, it is. So we'll see if he can hold it for four games. My, my optimism for game two is very, very high because it is now up to the Oilers to respond. The Jets have already done their job. They stole the game, which is absolutely huge. And then, not only have they stole a game on the road, uh, they have the momentum because Connor Hellebuck and Pionk are in McDavid's head, and they don't have the depth to figure it out if McDavid good, and Dreisaitl don't. So that's where I sit with it. I think the Jets actually are going to take game two. Um, I think it'll be close. And if they don't take game two, the worst case scenario, they are going to beat the holy heck <laughs> out of the Oilers. And that is going to affect them in game three and game four because 62 hits hurts. Yeah. It hurts a lot. You know, and you know, I kind of just briefly touching on that. I saw so many fans on Twitter 
bashing like the Jets and fans that were saying we played a physical game and being like, those were 62, you know, P-word P uh, hits. Nothing tough about that. These were just guys bumping. They counted everything. And I was like, what hockey game are you watching? Like, any physicality is good physicality. It doesn't matter what it is. You need it's the playoffs. I just, I don't understand that man. It's just, it's just like the Jets homers. We always have those fans that they like they never agree with the with the uh, popular opinion. They just think that everything is yep. always wrong with this team. We always have those Winnipeg fans. Well, they 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 don't understand what hitting is used for. Hitting is used to separate man from puck. That's exactly, all it's used for. Exactly. And you and Blake Wheeler said it in his interview after playing the Oilers in the regular season they put themselves out of position to lay big hits in this game they took the hits that were given to them to separate man from puck and that was it they were back on defense they didn't worry about laying hits and getting low they worried about laying hits to separate man from puck and mm -hmm. get back to D so they used it tactically so you can call it a p word all you want but the bottom line is it works and if i hit you with 62 jabs i don't care if it's a right hook you're eventually going exactly. to be beaten up by it Thank you. So coach. these are guys that just haven't played hockey. They're waiting for exactly. the Tom Wilson putting Curtis Lazar <laughs> into the bench, which looks awesome. But guess who's guess who's winning that series? The Bruins. Check out my channel. Guess what I said? They're going to beat up the Bruins and the Bruins like rubber bands are going to take it and beat them. So meh, whatever. Fans don't get it sometimes. Uh Exactly, and I, that kind of leads me, me back too. into exactly. I want to talk uh, going into. We talked about our thoughts a lot in all of our videos on the podcast so far. Great game. There was criticism. I kind of want to go and lead into the lineup going into game two because that's what I was just right. touching up earlier about how the Jets are in such a weird situation. Because you win a game you're not supposed to win, and even Money Puck, we had a twenty percent chance of the deserve to win meter. I don't know if you've seen that stat before that? from Money Puck, but that was for yeah. that last night game at the end of it. In favor of all advanced statistics, they did not think the Jets should win. They had a twenty percent chance of deserving to. Okay, but, but I, that's not what like I'm trying to talk about. I know yeah. they don't. I'm not talking about money puck here. The money puck is money yeah. puck. They're just a stat thing for gambling and people that mm. whatever. I'm just throwing that in there. They weren't supposed to. That's just the media percentage and whatnot, the expectance that we had. Point being is that when you go into a game now, you potentially, we don't know yet, potentially have your best forward coming back and your second best defensive center coming back in Pierre-Luc Dubois. Now that adds a huge question to what do you do with your top six? Do you change it around? Do you bring in guys? Who do you take out in the bottom six? Do you pull out Veselinen, who had a great game? Do you pull out Donato, who's been great so far? It's a very easy, really situational predicament that they're in right now because it's like I personally right. think that you should roll out, keep the guys in that are performing hot, that are in the lineup and fighting, because mm -hmm. they have something to lose, and they're playing great. Like, I don't want to see Donato come out personally. I thought he had a great game, and no, I thought he's played great. And yeah. I, I want. I'm just curious about your guys' thoughts. Who's there the odd man out? Exactly. And also, I, I will say this though. I think it's important to say, um, Ehlers was seen in a practice jersey because if you look at the Instagram post, Ehlers is in the background with a uh, not a practice jersey, a um, no contact jersey. Was PLB that today? Is the one that's wearing yes. Okay. PLB is wearing a blue jersey. So that's PLB what I, I told you guys that go. in my live stream yesterday. Ehlers is still Ehlers is still out. I think personally, it's what's going to happen is going to be PLD game two, Ehlers game three. Worst yeah. case scenario, game four for Ehlers on that Sunday. But I, so, oh, um, whatever the game, the next game four is. Who I would know. you take out? Because honestly, I'm, I don't know. Like I feel like you kind of have to break off that fourth line because yes, there's people on it that did well, but and I understand that that's a very responsible defensive line. But at the same time, I don't want to take out the guys who are hot, or at least had impressive performances because it kind of just immediately, like nullifies how they can perform afterwards. Like, I'll put it this way, okay? So think about when Kivi Ranta came in for the Stars last year. Out of nowhere gets a hat trick. How would you feel if Kivi Ranta sat the next game? Because, for example, someone like, 
like Tyler Sagan came exactly. back. He wasn't there. That's my. You concerns. would get frustrated, rightfully so. So, in my opinion, I think the odd man out. Even though I think he might have gotten assist, I think Trevor Lewis is the guy who goes out for me. No, no chance. No way. No. Paul no Maurice way. loves Trevor, Trevor Lewis, and Trevor, Trevor Lewis, Lewis is our uh, best defensive uh, forward. Trevor probably. Lewis is your only Stanley Cup winner on that roster. That he is never coming out. Who would ever. you take out? Who would you take out? Honestly, if you're asking me, and it is nothing against his performance because I thought he'd been great, I'm taking out Matthew Perot. Matthew Perot? Okay, that's not that's not bad either. Because okay. I think that Matthew Perot, although having a pretty good bounce back season, has been cold he's for the last about 20 games. And I think that Veselainen brings more offense, so I think he's at this point right now with his play of late. I think it's replaceable. Okay, actually, yes. I Okay, yes, that's fair, actually. Because when I think about it, if you think about Lewis and Thompson, they usually need to play together. Perot's the guy who moves around, and I think he's the guy who you can afford Perot to Perot is also off. a very respectable, like, experienced vet, and he's played on the first line in this club. He's played on the fourth yeah. line in this club. I don't think he would have a problem being pulled out of a no, game he, or whatever. He he's just, he's a very, the... very, uh, like... Well, obviously mm. players are going to be pissed about getting pulled out of a Stanley Cup playoff game. That's not what I mean. But I meant, like, if it's for the greater good, he's a smart enough player to be like, okay, right. I think this is a better roster. Like, I just, Perot's that type of guy. He's very well, smart hockey sense. I think he's going to be a good coach, personally. I, just, I, just my I agree thing with there. you. I agree with you. I would also like to say, uh, to add to that point, that Perot's the guy who also got put on waivers at the beginning of this year. And yep. he totally took it like a champ. He cleared lit waivers, luckily enough. And here we are. Like, he he's... Definitely willing to take that step, I think. Coach, to you. All right, let's shake the magic eight ball and tell you both how you're wrong. All right, who are you pulling out then? Um, It is either going to be Veselainen or Tonato. I think it's going to be Tonato. I understand what you're saying, but he's out. Perot has earned the trust of the coach, and this guy loves real pros. He says that term all the time. He is Tenato's not a taking real out pro. his guy. What the hell is a real pro? Ask Paul Maurice. I don't know, but if he says it all the time. The Paul Maurice's real pro is a guy that knows that, that I don't even know, actually. I can't even begin to so, describe it. Fuck, he's called every bum from here at Timbuktu <laughs> a freaking pro at this point. Mark Letestu, so, Nick Shore, how many other guys? We got? Matt he, Hendricks so, at 40 so years I'm old. Not telling you, I'm not telling you what I would do. I'm telling you what Pomo is going to do. Line one stays the same. Line two becomes Stasny, Veselainen, PLD. Line three becomes like Cop, Lowry, and Appleton. Yeah. It becomes Cop, uh, Lowry, and Appleton on three. And then you end up with Perot, Thompson, and Lewis on line four. No change to the D. That's, That's simple. But, like, I get Perot's that. the okay. guy who you put in the box when what, you have what, too many men what, penalties. One you second, Zach. I, I get what I you're saying there, but I, I, I want to know, though. Coach, I get what you're saying, and I actually agree with it. But I'm yeah. just curious, f just for throwing shit to the wall and see what sticks, who what you is want? your what? who would be your pick? If you're the coach of the Jets you. right now, who are you pulling out? Because I know you. I agree with you. Realistically, Tonato's coming out. I don't want it, but it will happen. Veselainen, his offense was too deadly. Even though Tonato got a good tip goal, Veselainen's shot well. was dangerous. Like, that was a dangerous scoring opportunity. So I agree with you there, but who would be your pick if you're the coach right now? Are you ready for this? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I would do exactly what I just said. Ah, I damn it. do it. I think it's the right play. All right. Sorry. All right. I get that. Yeah. I get it. Coach Bench backing him. up coach. Okay, all right. Bench him. Game recognizing game. Well, here's the thing. Tonato did amazing, and he is a very good depth player, but you got to think, a guy that's put in the commitment time that Perot has to the organization, the relationships he has in the locker room, the trust he's I earned agree. to the coach, I... and Tonato doesn't fit the odd, awkward spot of the top six 
Now, Veselainen could move down into the third line, or you could keep Tonato in and put him on the third line if you want more of a checker. You could absolutely take Veselainen out, but I feel like he wants to get Cop, Lowry, and Appleton back together, so it just feels like Veselainen's the only person that's skilled enough to plug in on that top six, which right. is why I, I don't think he that. ends up going out. Would you, so, see, um, would you see perhaps, would you see Toninato at any point rejoining the roster, even if they have the full healthy squad? Like, or not without Ehlers? The only way I could see him getting in is if Matthew Perot goes off the deep end, which sometimes he does, and starts mm -hmm. taking too many slashing penalties and yep. silly calls. I, I, and, and I think he's it's, that's he hasn't done that this year. Though. No, this year has been an odd year he for Matthew Perot. He passed that baton to uh, Blake Wheeler. Blake Wheeler now <laughs> has that. Yes, he's he like, does. here you go, buddy. He, he got rid of the white stick is what it is. He got rid of the yeah. lightsaber, as I like to call it. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, like, it's one of those things, though, I would say is not to necessarily like don't rule him out because I think us having options and who we play in our bottom six is good to have without a doubt because the problem with this team which we've said about a lot is sometimes how stuck they are in their ways and yep. so having options would always like it'll it'll give you options options yep. are good and that's why I picked the lineup I picked because you're right he's stuck in his way he's very easy to predict at this point yeah he is mm -hmm. uh, just to mm -hmm. end off the segment about Tonato I think we've all shared our good thoughts there I just want to throw this yeah. in let it stew in the back burner overnight going into tomorrow's <laughs> matchup we are undefeated with Tonato in the lineup so <laughs> all that being said that might have a little effect on the locker room I'm, I'm just I'm not a, I'm not a big jinxing guy but I like that number. I like that stat right now, just me going into a playoff matchup. So mm. moving on from Tonato, though, and moving on from the lineups, what is the one thing that you expect to see the Oilers do differently going into tomorrow's matchup against, or today's matchup, I should actually be saying, well, today's yeah. matchup against the Winnipeg Jets? What are your thoughts there, Coach, on what do you think the Oilers need to do much better to actually improve? Do you think, because like you said earlier, the rush was very well protected, and the Jets did a good job they're on changing their that. lines. So what do you think they're going to need to do to actually combat that and play a little bit more dynamically, if they can even? Because they are only running a four-team squad, if the Jets keep playing the same way they're playing, the Jets are going to win. This is the Jets series to lose now because they have figured their lives out. If they follow this system, the Oilers really don't have the depth, in my opinion, to compete with the Jets. I the agree. only way they end up winning is Connor McDavid putting on McJesus godlike performances and beating two or three Jets as he's outnumbered to get to the net to score or Connor Hellebuck falls apart. I think it is more likely that the Jets fall apart and give the series to the Oilers than the Oilers can adjust to the Jets because I don't know how you adjust a team that is built around two guys. I agree with that. I can. I so that's my that. thought. I actually don't think there is anything they can do if the Jets want to impose their will and play this way. I like the way you're approaching this with your take because I've seen a lot of Jets fans that were like me who are not very confident in the squad, and then after one game we win, they're completely on the bandwagon. And that makes sense. Be hyped for a playoff win in a game you weren't expected to. I get that. I'm hyped too. Don't get me wrong. But I still think that there are things with this team that need to be fundamentally changed for them to succeed. And I do think that although the Oilers, like you said, and the depth, like without a doubt, I said that in my video when I talked about how the Jets can win, where I really focused on how everything can, how they can win and what play they need to do to be successful, I said depth needs to show up. You need to have performances from guys like Lewis, guys who are veterans, guys who, like, like Tonato even, guys who can come in and give you the magic play, as I like to say, you know? And that happened tomorrow. But... I want to kind of throw this back towards the offense, what we're talking about. Do you think that since, let's be real, ever since Ehlers went out, the offense cl crumbled in the regular season? We all know that. Yep. That's when it all started. So question to all of both of you going into tomorrow's matchup. If you get Ehlers to return game three, 
you think that that could completely spark this team up and see where we were before the losing streak and kind of be back to where we were not the greatest but able to still compete for first in the north because let's not forget we were three points behind the leafs at one point right, right before that losing streak we were right there it was it ours was to lose because we, we exactly right at the top mm -hmm. I, can i say one thing though actually yeah. about um what coach Chris was saying um it's worth noting because I, I think i read this somewhere the oilers were practicing their lines and they were having um the lines they were running was top line was McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Dominic Cahoon was the top line they were doing. And that kind of just more or less plays into what you were saying, Coach. How they retool their team is not what they do with the majority of their team. It's just pretty much when they are we going to put the two guys together? And if so, because those guys apparently were doing way more reps than the entire team was in comparison. They moved Pugliarvi down to the second line, and I, I, I forget who they had him with, but it's interesting that after one loss, the Oilers are immediately going to the let's put McDavid and Drysaddle back together. Well, they it's, have to. Like, that's what Coach said. They have said. to, it's, yes. It's, but, like, it's, it's... Where do you go from there? If the Jets win, like, today, where do the Oilers go? Because you're out of luck then. Because you've done two different ways, and both of them would have not worked. So they're, they're expecting the speed of Dreisaitl and McDavid to be able to break up that Jets neutral zone defensive coverage. Mm -hmm. It can happen. I'm not going to say it will happen, though. So this right. team, Dave Tippett basically builds this team among get the puck to 97 and all else failing, get it to Dreisaitl. Right. That's it. This whole team is built around getting the puck to It's very to well players. known. Yes, and that's fine because it, it breeds success. The problem is we saw the Montreal Canadiens using a very similar system to this handle the Oilers. The Montreal Canadiens have an excellent goaltender in Carey Price. The Montreal Canadiens are very disciplined in the way they play defense as a team, the way they clog the neutral zone. It's yeah. like the Jets just watched the Habs all week and went, do that. And they're like, mm -hmm. yeah, okay, that works. Because of course it works. It's a terrible matchup when yeah. you can clog the neutral zone because you only have to do it for one shift. Clog McDavid and Dreisaitl for a shift. Now you have one to two shifts because those guys are going to play 25 minutes right like, they're playing almost half the game that easy. But, so you you have 1.5 shifts after that though to go score which mm -hmm. you should walk all over them for those shifts well that's right. why i said the third line needs to be like kind of almost as offensively as offensive as our top six and our top line because the third line is our secret weapon i feel like in this series because like we've all talked about the depth in the oilers is almost non-existent really like they have not a lot of good depth scoring at all so when you have a guy like appleton Lowry even, who can be a really good opportunistic scorer and turn on the gas when he wants to get a goal in, and he's good at that. He's good at reading the plays because he's a defensive-minded guy. We know that. But he's offensively based as well when he wants to be. And then you have Cop sliding back down there most likely once the, uh, everything settles back. That's a line that can score because Cop's a guy now who's an experienced top six guy who's played with all the talent on this team now in that top nine. So depth scoring is going to be key. I agree. If you can get the uh, the if you can clog up McDavid and them, and then get a goal somehow out of any of those lines, I feel like that's our secret weapon. Yeah. Well, and what they're trying to do too, Cahoon is trash. Like this guy is ad. Like my I know. Channel. I see he's Oilers fans garbage. trying to defend him and like say he's he's improving. trash. He's trash. No, he's trash. I, I like but Cahoon, the reason... but I don't like him in a top six role. I think Cahoon nope. is a middle sixer, but probably more a third line type player. But they end up putting him in the top six because they're because they theoretically thinking, I think he's thinking, Dave Tippett and his all-infinite wisdom, that Jesse Pool Party, um, I know it's Pooley RV, but Pool Party is always going to stick for me. Um, 
Pool Party, Shason, and Yamamoto is a pretty good second line. It just hasn't mm -hmm. developed yet. And you got Nugent Hopkins there too. So you got four guys that can, you know, out of three that he's going to pick somewhere on that second line. I think he thinks having those four guys, you know, mixing them up into whatever three combo he wants to can do some damage, but I don't. I think especially with PLD out there, they'll get shut down. So it's great that Nugent Hopkins is a two-way player. It's great he shuts people down, but that's really all he does. What did he finish with? 30 points? I believe so. I'm not that... 35? He's not, he's not really been a, a lead offensive guy the last few seasons, really. He's kind of more settled back into that responsible second-line center who's not off, kind of entirely offensively based anymore. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a really interesting matchup between the Oilers and the Jets. Um, what I find unique about this, too, is the fact that you got Pionk and Morrissey separate. The more I thought about it last night, the more I, I'm wondering, and I, I don't have this answer. I'm making it up in my head. Did he separate Morrissey and Pionk because they have home change, meaning they can put McDavid on whenever they want? You that, can't match I thought McDavid. That McDavid matches you. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if he split up that pairing because... If you put them out at the wrong time, and we used to do yeah, this right. coaching, we put our superstar out and then take them immediately mm. right off, even before the faceoff. He just goes out, touches the ice, steps off. And yeah, then you, you've thing. baited him out. Mm -hmm. Or you would do little things like you'd put him near the gate, you'd have him stand up, look like he's going to jump the bench. You get those two guys out, you keep them off, and then you send them mm. out against Forbert and DeMello or whatever. So <laughs> I wonder if that's why they did it. So would you say that you want to use that you would like to see Morrissey and Pionk almost like um, how Dallas used Klingberg and Heiskanen last year? Because what they did was those guys pretty much when one wasn't on, the other was yep. like those were the main guys. And they they like carried minutes for the stars. But that's you need that. Well, as, as a visiting team, I like what they're doing. My. My theory will be proven if they put Morrissey and Pionk together as the home team. Because now that I have home change, as soon as McDavid's out, I'd fire those two out immediately. Yeah, exactly. Because he can't hide from you. So if they pair up for the home game, then I'm right. If they don't, then this is just Maurice spreading out his D zone and being Maurice, which quick, is fine. Quick question to all of us, because we've all had our two cents given on this season on the defense and the way they've been set up, the pairings and whatnot. Any changes going into game two you'd like to see coach on the defensive side or just roll it out and see what happens? No, he's going to roll it the same. I wouldn't change a thing. As you said, don't don't fix what's not broke. Exactly. All right, and Zach, yourself, same thing. Keep it. Yeah, I keep agree. it. Although like, I want to see Hinola in my heart. I, I think right now, no. after the game we had and seeing the way Pullman played and the way that right. you know, Stanley even was able to play, uh, like, even though let's not, let's not forget, he did almost cost us the game. Like Coach said, we all remember that yeah. bad play. But he was still <laughs> able to generate almost a goal. Like, if, that he, if, if uh, oh, we got a doggy coming in. <laughs> But um, uh, anyways, back to what I was saying about that. If if Stanley, if that Donato didn't tip that, in my opinion, that could have went in. That was a hard, accurate shot by Stanley. I don't. I think we keep it the same. I just wanted to hear your guys' thoughts yeah. on that. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, I would totally agree. And I also I would say even, like, I like Hanula, but when we saw him in the times we saw him, we saw a, a quite a few rookie mistakes, like just like bad decisions. And I would in time like this, one bad decision. Okay, that but, drop okay. pass at the blue line. I don't really see a lot from him that okay. was really bad mistakes. I would, well, I would say also too that if this is what it takes to light a fire under Pullman's butt, ride it keep out. Keep it going because this guy has never played as good as he's playing in that last game. You guys think he maybe Pullman looked, getting benched there good. at the end of the season for a little bit when he was getting pulled out instead of Stanley right. and all those guys? Do you think that that might have you know lit a fire under his ass going into the playoffs when he got dressed for no. game one? No, no, I. I... No, I think the reason really? Pullman's on this roster is Pullman is a consummate professional. I think he's he's well 
adjusted to the game and the only reason he's made the nhl is through his attitude and work ethic because his skating is garbage yeah i mean well, you have to be a good team player and attitude guy to stick around when you have the skill he has so i actually do think for as much crap as i give pullman he probably comes to the ice gives 120 percent every day big body works it out great team guy the truth is is sometimes it's just hard to get past the personality of a person when you have a kid sitting in the background so maybe they don't want him to do him dirty I, that probably is what it is. I think Pullman brings 110% every time. He's just underskilled. He, oh, yeah, and he's I never agree. going yeah. to be underskilled. So he had a great game, and I can tell you that because I was underskilled at the level I played at, even though I played at a very high level. And there were five or six games in the year I just was on fire. I have no idea why. I was slow, chunky skater, third-pairing D-man like Pullman. But I'd carry a play, and then the next day I'd be trash. So yeah, that's just how it goes sometimes with being I, a player I, like I that. I couldn't afford that. I was in that. If I had a bad okay. game, everyone knew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. I didn't that's play fair. the highest level either, though, so I guess some people knew. <laughs> yeah, I was, I, I grinded my way onto, like, the last spot of every team, so I was that guy that, like, everybody's, no, they've already been signed, they're right. carded, they're having a good time, this is good, and I'm sitting here, like, just, like, give me a shot, give me, like, please, like, right till the very last minute of roster spots, like, You had to play oh every God. preseason game is what happened. Well, <laughs> and worse, they could cut you up until January. So I had to play oh. three months with an axe over my head the entire season because if someone got cut from the league above you, they'd come back, take your spot, right. and you're just like, you were never safe. You're oh, never I, safe. Buddy, buddy, there's two goalie spots. I feel that. I feel that. Like, you be a tr like I remember I had one tryout. I let in 11 goals the entire tryout. Like, everything of ice, every practice, everything, letting 11 goals between all the shots. I was out. I was just like, yep, the king is back. Let's go. Let's go. And then they cut me, and I went. And they're like, oh, yeah, sorry. By the way, the uh, AAA guy, uh, he got cut from his team. So, uh, yeah, you're, you're out, kid. And I was like, oh, thanks. Life. That's, that's, that's just the best. Oh, you signed a six-foot goalie? That's <laughs> I, I thumbs up in five-foot-nine. Just <laughs> great job. I feel you, man. I Boy. feel you. I just sit here. It's like, not fun. I played youth height hockey. Issues, height, <laughs> issues, not... height issues are a thing for goalies, and it's not fair. <laughs> oh yeah, you can't play in the NHL or any other competitive level under six two now. You no, can't. That's why Eric Comrie, speaking of the Jets, mm. will never be an elite NHL goaltender, no matter what people want. He's listed it's... at six feet. He's not yeah, six feet. He's five eleven, five ten at best. There, he does not have the ability to play the angles required because he comes out to play the angle yeah. and just pass the puck around him because he's too far out. How tall is Flurry? How Sorry. Flurry? How tall is Flurry? Flurry's the mm -hmm. one that Flurry I think is on the here. on the shorter yeah. end, but I think still I would say he's six like one. six feet. Six one? Yeah, he's what I would call a small goalie in today's NHL. The but funny thing with Flurry with Flurry is, is he was a guy that uh, changed it. He, he changed plays out. Uh, he plays yes. way he, out. He redefined it. So basically, Flurry is the goalie that screwed up goaltending for everybody. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. His style oh, is yeah. like. I love those early so 2010 teams, man. Attacking. He's yeah, he's practically players. attacking the player. Well, he, yeah, he was like the first guy. He was. I think that everyone forgets rebuild. about that. And let's except Pittsburgh's fans. Even when they even even some Pittsburgh's fans when they wanted him out in expansion, it's like you kind of bailing on the guy that saved your franchise. Crosby was the one that yep. put the icing on the cake. But without Flurry, you're not winning those cups. Well, Wa brought the well, butterfly. You, you, you might move. You actually exactly might move your exactly. Team. Yep. Wa brought in the butterfly. Broder perfected it. Flurry brought in hybrid. 
Price perfected it. Yeah. Well, Broder played is... a lot of stand-up, though, too. And, it's worth noting. And speaking of goaltenders, the funny thing is, is if you guys follow the gear, I'm sure you do, Zach. Yeah. If you take a look at some of the goalies in the NHL now, they're now building their pads to actually cause rebounds. We all think that rebounds are bad, but these pads are now being yeah, built to actually that. cause such a... It's such a violent rebound that it's uncontrollable by the other team and actually exits the zone. So a goalie yeah. with this equipment that... can actually use his blocker, his pad, to clear the zone on a good save as opposed to a rebound. I'm wondering how long that equipment's going to last in the NHL before I, they kick it out. I like it better than the oversized pads. I always hated those things because it just yep. it just Let feels like scoring. it feels like you're cheating. Like it just feels like you're cheating because like you'd have like guys like Jaguar that would go down and then his shoulders would rise like five feet and you're like, oh, well, I guess I'm not scoring like top shelf because like it's just the pad type like it's yeah i like i like the amount of uh diversity they do have in pads though like for me i use uh this is shameless but i, I use vaughn pads vaughn pads are the best they're they're for they're for boys like me that have skinny legs great uh, um they're not their gloves though those things oh god <laughs> goalie gloves no like seriously goalies are such connoisseurs about their gloves can't use a Vaughn glove unless I'm playing back-to-back -back games. That thing, the sweat, like it just hardens the whole thing. I need a CCM glove. <laughs> I, I, it's I'm the worst. I just look at you and of say goalies, I use guys, the uh, baseball yeah. glove. <laughs> that was my hmm. Where, where is the goaltending in the Pittsburgh New York series, and where is the goaltending in the Florida Tampa Bay series? It's just Pittsburgh. gone. Thank God, at okay. least Florida well, one though. At least Florida Jari, one, baby. Jari was gone after game one. Like the like okay. But question: Do you guys actually so like Jari, or do you think he's just gonna be another Matt Murray? Because I kind of think he's just another Matt Murray in the making. Like he's a guy who's gonna be Murray. good. And then the guy who's after him is Casey DeSmith, and then he'll be another Matt Murray. Exactly. It's, that's they Jari. don't just, have stable goaltending. Pittsburgh's just Jari, pumping out two-year solutions, man, and they're trading them away at okay. Jari's junk. Pittsburgh's that good of a team that they make him look good. Oh, they know. never should have let Flurry get exposed, so and they're learning for, from it. Uh, I feel so bad for Drieger, though. The, the guy's just, like, I think he's a good goalie, and I'm not just saying that because he used to be my goalie coach when I was a kid, but, like, I think it's just an experience, honestly. Like, he's going up against a high-powered Tampa Bay Lightning. What? You and feel bad. You Let me clarify this. Okay. You feel bad for a goaltender making that much money, even yes. if it's league minimum. Yes. Displacing, displacing a $10 million a year goalie game two of the playoffs you feel bad he got pulled in game three yeah well he stunk in two <laughs> God, he had his contract. shot like I... an eminem like an eminem okay. song he had spaghetti on his I shoe will... and blew it okay just because he doesn't necessarily make always make the most of the opportunities doesn't mean i don't have the right to pity the situation i can <laughs> still have my favorite goalies given that situation just because a guy doesn't show up doesn't mean i have to Exile him from my thoughts. I'm like, you are nothing. I don't like you. Oh, you are see, bad. Therefore, I hate you. No, this isn't the Jets reaction. See, Zach, I, I Zach, don't have to be mad about it. I gotta clarify it with you. I pity people that end up getting COVID and getting long hauler symptoms. I pity okay, people well, that get that's sick. Not Hold on. I, I pity either. people. I pity people that have mortgage problems. I don't pity professional athletes for blowing it. You made it to the pros. You did more than I did. Guess what, pal? <laughs> Welcome to the job. Your I'm only sorry. job is to stop the puck. You didn't do it. Next. Is this the PCP? Is this the Prairie COVID podcast? No. This is the Prairie Puck podcast. I'm just telling you Speaking who I Speaking of pity, COVID, you boys are uh, digging in deep over there in Manitoba pity, right now, man. Let's let's talk, though. I pity John Tavares. After oh, I was just about to bring that up. 
Okay, what do you think? I have a lot to say on this because I I was kind of furious because I'm plugged into Twitter a lot. It's my kind of main source for the NHL media. That and Reddit. And I was livid because all I saw were Leafs fans defending... Um, not defending, attacking Corey Perry and justifying that no, fight. That fight pissed me off beyond belief. I I don't care if it's for Corey sparking Perry the bench. Or about it, oh, I, he was. I'm not, I got no beef with Corey He's Perry. So My beef is with it. the Leafs. You could tell that Felino and what they were saying. They think it was intentional a little bit. I think. Well, even no, the commentators okay. were Felino... saying that they think it's intentional a little bit. The least commentators were. No, you there. Okay. I, I'm the talking about least players and least that. media. They, right, the way right. they reacted, that looks intentional, and that is a bad look for your franchise. Because in with all the stuff going on with Tom Wilson, the suspension, the league being under such scrutiny as it is with the player health organization, and a, a star like Tavares, almost dying on the ice because he could have if he was hit harder with the way that that mm -hmm. was on his neck. That is, this is a mo yeah. make or break moment for the league and how they ha and how, and the Leafs and the whole world. Everyone was watching. I tuned into that game just for that at that point. Yeah, and I that's your response to uh, to something like that. Your captain going down to fight a guy for a complete accident. I'm sorry, I don't well, think it's justified, uh, and I, I think that well, it, it, it's it's a, it's a, it's it's almost disrespectful to John Tavares in a way because it's a complete accident. You, you should be there for your team. You shouldn't be fighting a guy for an accident. You don't fight somebody for accidents like that. You just don't. In hockey, in my you, opinion. Uh, you, you so, could see how he regretful looked. he looked too, though. Oh, the I mean, moment! I, the moment! I wanted. I, I don't feel bad for Corey Perry ever, but you know I what? I felt bad for him that guy. That guy looked. He, that was he, the you wrong could, the place, look, the wrong time. The look on his face was one of trauma. His buddy got hurt. He is friends with Tavares. He yeah, said it after his media in, interview. Uh, they played in Canada, Team Canada. Yeah, yep. he felt horrible for it. He doesn't want to ever end a career. He wants to squirt no. water in your glove and slash you in the ankle when you're not looking. Exactly. Squirting water do... in your glove is just funny. Like that's It's funny. funny. But it's he doesn't funny. want to do that. Exactly. And that fight from oh, um, Felino. Fun fact about Corey Perry, guys. Corey Perry led the junior league in fights that he was from. And Brian Burke was the first person to tell him, you are no longer fighting. You're not allowed to fight. I will pay somebody to fight for you. You're going to score goals. So Corey Perry actually is a very very good fighter and you could see to be honest simmons is not some he's not there to make be a playmaker he's like bogosia we know why he's here and i'll be honest i get a little annoyed when i see simmons out there because i know he's coming after someone but at the same time he does have a there's a use for that and i understand that but i'm happy at least that it was felino that did that a guy who has shall we say a more skill based game than a guy who's just there for that, that wanted him to answer the bell. I still yep. would argue that it's not a fight that has to happen, but if the team feels like they need to rally around something because their spirit is crushed, I can understand where they're coming. Well, and, and from my experience in games, um, you can point to all the miracles on ice you want because it's easy to find them, but they're very rare. Mm -hmm. When a player of his caliber gets hurt in the game, you're done. You're morally yeah. crushed. You 100%. can see Matthews exactly. morally crushed. You normally do not come out and win it for your buddy. You do it right. the next game. But in that current go. game, you're so mentally distraught that you just don't play well. And you could see it. So the Habs go up one nothing. I still think the Leafs are going to take this in five or six. Oh, no 100%. problem. 100%. I no think problem. they should. I don't this, know now. This but... is not... Well, okay, no. But you know what? Like... That shock value of what happened to it's only one game uh, you get Tavares, that. that you get the shock value out, out of game one. Game two, it's, you are playing it's for not, him. It's not the shock value per se that I think changes the swing of the series. It's potentially the loss of Tavares because now we, we don't really have an, a timeline yet when he'll return. Most likely it won't I be. I think it's a couple of weeks for sure. Like, I don't think he's back till round two if they make it to round two.
beginning is his dog. It's okay. I, I, yeah. I agree with that. And that's my thing because it's my big concern now with the series, if you were a Leafs fan, is your team, you're a, Tavares has been a huge part. He's your captain. He's right. a huge part of your organization. He's your, the guy that kind of put you on the map when it came to your the Shanna plan. Like, Matthews was yes. Matthews, but that was huge, getting a guy he that capable. He was the capable. guy that got needed to get. Exactly. So now that you lose that after having a very good season, the leadership that they have on that team, he's a huge part of it. Mm. I think it could affect their top six and how they play. Personally, well, I, I, yeah. I, and, and I think that with a hole of that big in their top six, the Habs are a dirty fighting team. Not dirty. I, like, I don't mean like that, but yeah. they fight. <laughs> they fight. Like they they, they, they play hard. They're tough. That's a better word. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. and I think that that's a team in a situation like this where the Leafs are a little bit more shorthanded now with that center spot and everything. I think that they could maybe find a way to pull out some games and get lucky. If Carey Price can steal you a game, and you can and and which he easily can, and you have Carey Price do that, and then you have maybe another game where you have some depth guys like the Jets this last right. game, game one, score and get you a game that way. You're up three. You're up three three uh three gold games right there in a four game win series. That's pretty your close to winning. Your best players need to be your best players. Exactly. And it's Montreal. The least, their is... best players weren't. They're all. Their power play. And and don't get me wrong, Montreal went 0 for 5 on the power play. Toronto went 0 for 4. But Toronto actually gave up a shorthanded goal that would be the game winner. Yep. Like that is something that you cannot have happen. And I would and I would like to say though, this is probably the toughest matchup first round I would say for the Leafs because this is not a team like the Oilers or the Jets, which primarily have. A offensive team. Yes. The Canadians can play stingy defense. Look at the last minute of that game. Did you think a puck was going to get through to the net? I did not for a second. There was like five bodies yep. in front of the net. There was no way a puck was getting there. It was just shut down hockey. I well, the Leafs, the Leafs have one of the worst power plays for a talented team that I've ever seen. I actually spent quite a bit of time breaking it down tonight. Uh, mm-hmm. What's going on with it and why it's screwed up? So go check that, that out if you want to see some clips. Yeah. But here's the, here's the deal with the Leafs, guys. Five on five, they're elite AF. And even with John Tavares out, this lineup may be not, uh, you know what? It, it is deeper than the Jets. It is. It's oh, one of the sure. deep. Oh, for sure. The Leafs, for sure. Yeah, I'm not arguing that there. The Leafs, Tampa, yeah, the Leafs and Tampa Bay have the two deepest lineups uh, and, and the Avalanche. Mm-hmm. Only yeah, other team. The only other team I'd throw in scary. there. Only other team personally that I would throw in there. Just my two cents. I would put Florida in that mix as well for their depth this year. Dark horse uh, Carolina Hurricanes. Ah, eh, maybe. But Carolina's uh, depth maybe. isn't as great. Carolina. We're talking about complete depth. I think Florida has right, better depth. Right. Right. I would. Okay, Car- that's fair. Carolina is what Montreal aspires. To yes. Yeah. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. That's yeah, the They are what Montreal aspires to be. They have a few extra key elite players in Aho and Trocheck. So, I, I mean, if guys like Nick Suzuki, uh, Cole Caulfield, and KK end up developing to, like, they didn't near even play. Sebastian Ajo level, then oh, you right. can have a, a Carolina Hurricanes 2.0. If I'm not mistaken, Caulfield and Kotkanemi did not play tonight, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, they got they got benched. Yep. Ducharme benched mm-hmm. them. He wanted to win a 2-1 defensive game, and you know what? He won it. The Montreal media beat the crap it. out of him for it. I still think he should have had one of them in for scoring. But, like, good job. They won. They yeah. won 2-1. And, and can for they sure. win this series? Four in a row, two one. Probably not, but but they maybe. Can maybe steal a couple they more games, steal another game. That's yeah. what I'm telling mm-hmm. you about. Because there, there's certain element when you could. This is something that I always remember going into a playoff match, and that is when you are a team with elite top end, top tier tier like league talent, 
Guys like Hellebuck, right. a goaltender, a guy like McDavid, Matthews, whatever it is, those guys can single-handedly not win you a game, or well, not win you a series, but they can win you a game in the playoffs. Just single-handedly yes. off of a bad performance. So when you have right. a magic man like Price back there, who hasn't been inconsistent at times, but when you have a guy mm -hmm. that good that can potentially steal you a game, and only you need to win four, and you've already won one, that's two right mm -hmm. there. You're halfway there. Yep. And who knows what else right. happens, like you said, Coach. Maybe they, if they play another 2-1, yep. they can win one more. That's three. So they're, it's, yep. it, it's not their series to lose. It's still the Leafs to lose, in my opinion. Yes, but they might sure. be in more of a fighting battle now than the Leafs expected if they lose Tavares for a long-term situation. Yeah, right. what this what this hurts the Leafs for, and Leafs fans are going to know this whether they admit it or not, this really hurts your cup chances. 100%. I, I don't think yes. it's, a, it's a minimum two-week injury to Tavares. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, uh, this this probably ends your hope for a cup, to be honest. This is I don't your Joe Pavelski moment, maybe, if he comes back. Maybe. I mean, if he comes back in two weeks, it's a spark, and they can win the cup. I mean, if he if he's only conkied, and he's not, exactly. he doesn't have any broken vertebrae right. or anything. Because, I mean, as horrible as this all looks, guys, he well, could absolutely just have a two- or three-day concussion that he has to follow a two-week protocol, and he could be back no problem. Yep. Yep. Well, based you, like, on the way they're days, saying it. In two he could be fine. He could also yeah. be laid up in a hospital bed not allowed to leave for a week we don't know also yeah, coach like you said in, like you said in the group chat earlier coach the thumbs up is a huge sign huge yeah huge huge sign would okay here's my question okay i'm not gonna say it's not i would say though is there a situation where he doesn't thumbs up like okay so just think of it this way okay you're you, like if you're unconscious or not you keep yeah, conscious okay. enough to be able as to do it as long as he's conscious I think he thumbs is he thumbs up anyway because I think he knows that everyone is watching and probably terrified. Like I'm not saying to like discredit this. I'm just saying we should at least have the knowledge that he could still be very very injured and still do a thumbs up because he is a hockey player and hockey but players. Taking, are known to be you have tough. taken into context, Zach, the way the injury was. To me, it yes, almost looked it like was just the, the guy almost looked like he seized a little bit there when he passed out with the way the doctors yeah. were handling everything. Like mm -hmm. it looks scary. So. If if that's this kid's situation sure. and he regained consciousness, I've known people that have seizures, and they've they've been fine like a minute after it. But it doesn't mean you're right. long term. You're okay. So agreed. Yeah. I think that even though he could have been conscious enough to do it, we have no idea what it could have been. So maybe he did it like you said, but it is a good sign nonetheless because you yeah. want to have if going from that a minute like to being you know able to comfortably do that and him even trying to get up, but the doctor's holding him down. They're good oh, signs. Jesus. Yeah, so so hopefully there is some there is some relief there for you Leafs fans out there. No one ever wants to see a guy get hit hurt, especially a guy as as amazing as Tavares as a player and also in the way he did. So our you know our thoughts are mm -hmm. with you guys right now. Put the difference as a sign for the common uni unity of a hurt player. So good luck to you guys in that series. And I want to kind of harken this back to the Jets for the last maybe ten minutes before we end this episode here. What any last thoughts you guys want to get out about the game going into tomorrow and the rest of this series? You know, kind of keep it brief, but just any of your thoughts on the top of your head right now to end it off for us, um, for the listeners. Uh, I'll start with you, coach. Yeah, go, coach. Okay, I'm I'm not going to talk about anything tactical. I'm going to talk about the hockey fates and the hockey gods. Because go for it, baby. Go for guys, it, guys. It snowed in Edmonton. A oh, legit I know. When I saw that, I might, I was like, I, I couldn't help but smile. <laughs> I was trying to do that for my thumbnail. I was trying to find a photo of that. I couldn't find one. It was on Twitter. So I was just like. like I was like, screw if, it, I'll use Pullman in it. You know Edmonton, Edmontonians were, one, pissed off that it's snowing, because I'm pissed off when it snows in, in Winnipeg. You know, know. they were pissed off no that fun. the whiteout was coming to their team, and you know one dude was walking down the street just having a good day, saw the fact that snow was coming, and it dawned on him. He's like, brick. Yep, Jets, you know it. Whiteout. Yeah. 
problem. In, uh, and he told all his buddies, and all his buddies thought he was crazy and blah, blah, blah. And then he said, see, told you so. I, you yeah. know, you know one it. guy in Edmonton You know that. it, man. You know it. You know it. Because I would do it. Right, exactly. 100%. 100%. Worth noting. It started raining oil in Winnipeg. Like, we struck oil and became the oil capital of Canada out of nowhere. I'd be like, we're screwed. That's too sus. That's too sus. We we do not deserve this power. Uh, No. No, that's the same thing happened in uh, 2018 in Minnesota. There was, like, snowstorms when we came in. I remember that. We had a hard time getting the bus through. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because we lost game one because we had to, like, reroute our flights and stuff. And then we just... Killed them in game two and then murdered them, or game two, game four, and then murdered them in game five. Exactly. Yep. It was all good. So that's my last thoughts. All right, Zach, over to you. The White House coming. Exactly, baby. I don't don't know what else there is to say. Like, I I just want to see PLD show up. Like, I just want to see him show up. He's a wild card. I've I've been happy. I I don't, I'm going to be honest, like the last couple games of the season, I was giving him the mic award for the worst chat because like, it's not necessarily that he was the worst man on the ice. It's just that compared to where he needs to be and what the expectation is and what we've seen from him in the past. And what we gave up for needs, him. He needs to throw something. Make it look like you matter in the top six. Don't be, like, fighting for line three minutes. I agree with just, that. I, and I was going to talk about that, be too, going into my point is... I've got three mm. little things that I want, really kind of bullet points. One, yeah. like you, Zach, if PLD comes in and PLD is even half the player he was in that Leafs series last year, that's a huge weapon, a huge, Good. huge weapon against the Oilers team, right. especially with the way he plays that center position. You have a guy like that yeah. matching up potentially against McDavid in your top six, he can make the, the first line's defensive issues non-existent if he can hammer out McDavid mm-hmm. and keep that balanced well. The second big thing, in my opinion— Connor Hellebuck needs to be Connor Hellebuck again. And I know that seems yep. like a simple thing, but if he can't be the way he was last game and almost every game he plays this playoffs, we're going to have problems because there were some times where he did bail us out and we could have lost because he made some great saves. And the yeah. third thing is I want to see the depth keep performing the way they performed last game and honestly in the last little bit of the season. If the depth can stay as consistent as they are from different guys showing mm-hmm. up and having these important plays and driving the team and helping out when we're not getting as much offense from that top six – that's how you win a series against a team that's top-heavy and relies on two players. You beat them with depth, you beat them down in your bottom lines, and you beat them with your bottom pairings. And that's what the Jets did in Game 1, and I hope they can continue doing that for the rest of this seven-game series. And with all that being said, I think we're going to wrap up this episode here. So thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Make sure to go subscribe to Hot Garbage Sports on YouTube, Pig City Hockey, myself on YouTube, as well as the No One Hockey Podcast, where you'll be watching this video. If you're listening on Spotify right now, make sure to go subscribe to all of our channels and check out all of our socials. The link is in the description for this podcast, so go ahead and check all that out thank you guys so much for listening to the prairie puck podcast episode three go jets go this is going to be a good game today make sure to tweet at us and all the stuff on instagram message us about your thoughts on the game make sure to join the discord as well which will be in the link of the description and make sure to turn on notifications on my channel if you haven't already along with coach because episode uh four will be dropping on my channel next friday so with all that being said thank you so much for watching this uh watching this podcast we're the prairie puck podcast have a great rest of your day and bye bye